Welcome to Grand County Matters. My name is John Sanderson. This show is for and about all of the people who live, work, and love Grand County. It doesn't matter what part of the county you call home, I hope to have something for everyone. This edition of Grand County Matters is brought to you by Sanderson Commercial Real Estate. The name Grand County Trusts when specialization matters. Online at sandersonre.com. Hello and welcome back to Grand County Matters. Today I'm joined by Corey Sanders. Corey is a fifth generation Fraser resident. We're going to hear all about her family history, her personal journey, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to grow up in the Fraser Valley. Corey, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for coming. It's a real honor. Um, you know, on the Grand County Matters website, we have a contact form and Corey reached out and her story was really compelling for me. She really wanted to talk about what she calls the seasonal syndrome, which is, well, I guess let me, you can tell us what the seasonal syndrome is. How about that? Rather than me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So um, the seasonal syndrome or seasonal shuffle is kind of uh, what a lot of people that work seasonal jobs in the County um, get used to doing every year. Um, I grew up as a resort kid and, uh, both my parents worked there. So it was kind of just a natural direction for me to go. Um, but as pretty much everybody in the County knows, those are all seasonal jobs. Um, unless you happen to get into something with HR or or other departments where, where it's a full-time year round position. But, um, for most of us, it's a, it's a contracted job. It only lasts for the season. And when you're done, you're free to move on. Um, you've, you've fulfilled your, your season and, and then you get an offer to come back or you don't. (laughs) So at the end of the season, then we have mud season, which is always kind of challenging, but then you have the opportunity to move on to whatever you want. Um, so it's, it's just kind of that natural flow of what you get used to doing when you've been here forever. So let's come back and talk about that some more in a minute. I, um, I have some personal experience with that, although uh, not tons. And uh, I'd love to peel back the onion a little bit on what it's like to work in that environment. Let's let's first talk a little bit about you. Tell us the family history. So my great granddad uh, was Chuck Clayton, and he was the first mayor of Fraser. Uh, he was mayor in the '40s. So most of the uh, historic photos that you see of uh, the mayor shaking hands with Eisenhower or the fishing out on Byers Peak Ranch property. Uh, those photos are of my great granddad. Um, on the other side, my great grandma, her family uh, came here in 1908, I believe. And um, maybe a little bit earlier than that. I think she was born in 1912 here. Um, and they came from Torsby, Sweden. And when they came to the valley, it just it reminded them of where they were from in, in Sweden. Um, it had a lot of opportunity for ranching, cattle farming, cattle ranching, farming. Um, they did ice, ice farming in the winter uh, and sent a lot of stuff down to Denver on the trains, uh, up and over Corona Pass. 
And then uh, the whole the whole family just kind of stuck around until like the most recent generation. So uh, got a lot of cousins. <laughs> yeah, I imagine how many how many aunts and uncles do you have? Um, so on my mom's side, I've got an aunt and an uncle, but then I also have like my second cousins which we we kind of refer to people more in their functional role in the family rather than their their official title. <laughs> so I have um a lot of people that that I call aunt or uncle that are actually my second or third cousins. <laughs> so uh I think when we when we did like family gatherings for thanksgiving or christmas it was around 30 or 40 people that would show up for dinner wow so across <laughs> three or four four generations at one point before grandma died so that's amazing i remember being in my thanksgiving it was like mom dad grandpa grandma you know somebody's cousin a couple maybe 10 or 12 people it's hard to imagine you know that's like a, that's like a full-on family party it is, it is. And it definitely comes with its challenges as well. <laughs> you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. <laughs> Not really. I, I love them. It's been, it's been really great being able to grow up with, with such an amazing history and, and being able to, to really embrace that and get to know so many parts of the family. So when I was uh, doing a little research uh, to get ready for our show today, I uh, I found an obituary for what appears to be your great grandfather, George Clifford Dragon Clayton. That was that's my granddad. Yep. <laughs> so why was his nickname Dragon? <laughs> uh, he had a lot of very off color stories about that. None of them were true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he was he was a jokester and uh and he he really liked to push the the envelope as far as making people uncomfortable <laughs> so at one point he he had a joke that he was the grand dragon of the Fraser KKK which actually never existed he just said it to make people uncomfortable <laughs> where the nickname actually came from is we had a construction company up here uh Clayton Construction that was in operation for a lot of years. We owned the uh, gravel pit on County Road 5 uh, that was Morrow's pit after we sold mm -hmm. it and then is now peak asphalt plant. And uh, when we were in operation as the, as the construction company, um, he would always come in and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know about <laughs> the acceptable use of colorful language, um, but he would, everybody, he, every morning he'd come in and he would be asked, Hey dragon, how, or Hey Clifford, how you doing this morning? And he'd say, Oh, I'm dragon asked. And so, uh, one of the guys did some, uh, leather work as a hobby. So he made him a belt that just said dragon ass across the back of it. And then it got shortened into dragon. And then oh, funny. And the spelling got changed, so then he was just the dragon, and that's what he was known as for longer than I've been alive, forty plus years. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, you know, nicknames are funny, and I love stories like that. You know, it it starts as one thing and it turns into something else, and then he right. becomes widely known as Dragon. Yep. 
And it, it was really funny to us too, because people would come up with that it, like scuttlebutt, you know, and we had uh, cousin Stan who would always come to all of our family gatherings. He's a very, very nice uh, African-American gentleman that uh, we kind of adopted into our family. He was part of the Eskimo ski club for a lot of years and worked for the resort and ended up mm-hmm. being a, a roommate of one of my second cousins. And, uh, and we, we kind of adopted him cause we liked him better than we liked the cousin. <laughs> so then he just became <laughs> a fan. So then he got these people saying, Oh, well, like we're like this is the history of it we're going no no that's not really true (laughs) but there's a lot of that in this county you know let's uh so tell us about you know your perspective of what i call growing up in grand county you know i i feel like if you were on the outside looking in it would look like a struggle and to me it was a blessing um there was the being able to get on the bus and go ski for um, pretty much every day when you were a kid in the summertime, you could go ride the Alpine slide, go hike around the mountain. Um, we were very independent as, as kids because our, our parents were working very hard to just kind of make it here. Um, I was lucky enough to, to have my great grandparents around as far as um, babysitters and extra part of the village to raise a child, if you will. And we, you know, you'd get up in the morning, mom and dad are at work and you'd get yourself up, get dressed, make yourself some breakfast. Um, and then you'd go explore town, <laughs> get on the bikes and ride over to the mill pond that's, uh, that was over at the uh, pole yard for a lot of years. And we'd go swim, we'd go fish. And then when we were done doing whatever we were doing, we'd go to grandma and granddad's house and check in and then we'd be off riding off into the woods again so and it was it was a small enough community that you couldn't even think about getting in trouble without somebody beating you to to your parents so (laughs) your parents would be on top of you going so this person told me (laughs) this is what you were doing and that's not okay Yeah, there's a country song that says the truth will beat you home before the sun goes down. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was that was very much the life of growing up here when it was when it was a small town. So I mean, so did so, you did you go to Fraser Elementary? I did. I did. Yeah. Who's your favorite teacher? Oh. Um Darcy Kistler is one of the teachers that absolutely holds a special place in my heart. Um, and Miss Cook, Fran Cook was pretty amazing too. Uh, a couple of my cousins that are a little bit older than me grew up with her kids and, um, have some pretty good stories, but, uh, both of them, when I was in fifth grade, I've decided to kind of be a little rebellious and Miss Kistler just never gave up. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I really appreciated her. That's great. Well, I'm sure that somebody will tell her that you said that or she'll yeah. listen to this recording <laughs> and she will be honored to know that she made a positive impact in your life. Absolutely. How about high school teachers? Anybody in high school that stands out for you? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny because Mr. Lofsgard was one of my favorite teachers. He was also one of the ones that I tortured and he probably thinks that I hated him. <laughs> but he was, he was great. I, I really loved 
still do love science and um and really enjoyed being in his classroom and enjoyed kind of giving him a hard time too so <laughs> tell me uh tell me what you've seen in your life the changes on at least the east end of the valley and and you know give us your opinion what do you think you know there's been a lot of them uh, me and my mom have had this conversation before that um it it kind of it it breaks our heart even though we really can still kind of embrace it you know uh you know that change and growth is necessary but it doesn't negate the fact that uh there's places that hold a special spot in your heart and when they're developed it kind of it kind of hurts a little bit and um the conversation that we've had as well is the fact that in my life, I have seen more change in the last 15 years than my great grandma ever saw in the 92 she was here. So the rate is, um, is a little hard to get used to. And it's, it's okay. Like that we've, we really do realize that it's kind of the natural course of things that you can't love where you live and then hate people for loving it too. <laughs> so, um, there's things like the the meadow at Byers Peak, Byers Peak Ranch. When that sold, it was it was kind of hard for everybody because we. I mean, I grew up with John Work. My mom grew up with John Work as as her four four H um, writing coach, and and he played a huge role in in a lot of people's lives that were involved in horses and four uh, H and, and things like that. I spent a lot of time out on that ranch with my dad, uh, who's a farrier. And so I'd, I'd hold horses for him in the summer. So that one was a little hard just because there is a lot of history there. There's a lot of very personal experiences. And so when it sold, it was, it was, it was hard. Um, and every building that goes up is hard too, but you know, you, you realize that people, people need to make money. People have to have a place to live and, that's that's just the course of things. Um, so tell us, tell us. If, there's probably people listening who don't know where the Byers Peak Ranch was. Right. So it's on Can the just... uh, west end of, like the southwest end of Fraser, uh, over in the meadow by the Tubing Hills, and it's all that ranch uh, ranch land that's over there uh, at the bottom of the hill, going up St. Louis Creek. So um you can still see the old ranch house sitting over kind of tucked into the trees and then uh and yeah so that's that's where it's at and a lot of us spent a lot of time over there with with john work can you describe what it used to look like um there were more trees <laughs> kind of like most of the valley you know the, the beetles <laughs> kind of hit everything pretty hard so um you, you almost couldn't see most of the buildings that were over there um, tucked onto the west end of the meadow because it, it was all pretty uh, forested. So, And then everything else was just meadow with a whole lot of cows, handful of horses, and um, the ranch house was pretty much like it is now. Uh, and then a set of corrals 
and an old um like it it was it looked like it was uh like one of the i don't know if i don't even i, <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it like the buildings that you drive past and you think that they're just unused and falling apart and just like an old building um so there was a set of uh shelters for the for the paddocks that the horses could use for shelter in in bad weather um that if you didn't know that that's what it was you'd just think that it was some old log and shanty that was in disrepair kind of a deal but it was very much in use one of the hardest things like i said about about watching things kind of move forward and progress and be developed and things like that is the fact that you do have such personal history with um, your own experiences and, and the things that you remember as a kid, which I'm sure is is very consistent pretty much anywhere. Um, driving through your hometown and seeing that your, your childhood home isn't there anymore or whatever. Um, I think that some, some things, it's, you kind of feel like the history hasn't been embraced, which is a little painful, but that's, it's okay. You know, you realize the necessity for it. So. Well, don't you think that there's, that there's a group of people like yourself that have been in the Valley long enough to have that history sort of, you know, ingrained in them. And then there's people like me who are, even though I've been around for 15 years, you know, I don't, I don't know that history. Yeah. Um, I, I think in, on the one hand, it's incumbent on the people that were here when the history was created to help share those stories like this today, going yes, through this little interview. And then, you know, it's also incumbent on the people that learn about that history to embrace the things that happened along the way that led to them being in Grand County, you know, in yeah. Frazier, in wherever. And that, where this new housing development is, you know, cattle used to roam this land. Right. I, I think people take that a little bit for granted. Yeah, I think one of the one of the best examples is the uh, Sorensen Park um, upgrades that they did at the resort. I saw that you talked to uh, Tom Carey, who runs the Nordic program for uh, the Winter Park Competition Center and has for a very long time. Um and I grew up skiing for, with the comp center and jumping on the old Nordic jumps and, and things like that. The, the family history as well. My mom grew up jumping on those jumps. Um, even if it was just out of recreation, not so much like a competitive level. I know that there's a lot of people that have family that uh, actually trained there for the Olympics and things like that. And being part of the resort for such a long time, we realized that, yes, we do need more accessible beginner slopes. Um, but when the whole Nordic Hill was demolished in order to make room for Sorensen Park, it was kind of just like negating that history. You know, there wasn't anything to embrace the fact that it was an Olympic caliber training center for a lot of years. Um, and even though people know that and and it's part of the history, I, I just don't feel like it's been embraced in a way that I would like to see it. And it's not necessarily that it's not appropriate. It's not that it doesn't need to happen. It's just that 
you know, I'd, I'd like to see some of that stuff embraced. And there are absolutely a lot of people in this valley and uh, in the county that have enough history and enough stories and enough personal connection to be able to share uh, that history and, and kind of make it important to people. And I feel like we've just done it for so long and um, it still really hasn't been embraced that we kind of, a lot of us just kind of gave up, you know, um, that's one of the shifts that I've seen in the last 15 years that is kind of disheartening um, is that people used to be interested in the history. And I, I feel like a lot of that has kind of, it, maybe I'm just not around the right people. Um, maybe that <laughs> still is very much there and I'm just not seeing it because, you know, it's, it's a perspective thing. Um, but you know, I, you could say Chuck Clayton to a lot of people and they knew who, who he was, at least had heard of him. And in the last 10 years, it's, it just, it doesn't happen anymore. So. Yeah. It's a sad fact that history fades with time. Yes, it does. And I don't think that's uh, unique to hear either. So. Yeah, very true. So, um, you know, one of the reasons we got together today was to talk about the the seasonal employment environment in Grand County. And, and before we go down that path, I, you know, I want to acknowledge that it's amazing to me that people have two and three jobs in various yeah. <laughs> parts of the towns and the, you know, whether it's a resort job and a town job or, a, you know, whatever, working on a ranch part time and being a ski instructor part-time or whatever. And, you know, it depends on where you are in the County, of course, but the same holds true for Grand Lake and Kremlin and, you know, everywhere else. So I'd love to talk about your perspective on what it's like to live in that seasonal employment world and the seasonal economy that it creates. You know, after, after so long of doing it, it's just, it's absolutely a natural and expected thing. Um, I have worked for the resort on and off since 2004. Um, and you either look at the job postings for the resort and, and just move on to a new department, a new job at the end of the season, or you kind of take a look and see what's going on in town. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of different things, um, and have a lot of different experiences and, uh, and kind of dabble, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of makes you a, uh, familiar with a lot and a master of nothing, <laughs> uh, but it, it works, you know, that's, that's what you do to live here and, and survive and, and things like that when, um, when you have to. So it's, I think a lot of people struggle with it just because it's not necessarily the way that everybody thinks about the job market. Um, one of the things that I found was pretty difficult was going from Grand County and then trying to find a job in, on the front range because every time somebody would look at my resume and I've got 15 jobs listed, it looks like I'm a job hopper. It looks like I don't want to stick with anything when in reality, that's what you have to do in this valley in order to, to make it. So I would go from snowmaking uh, for Winter Park in the early season. And then I would go to race crew. And then as soon as the season was over, um, I'd go to a welding job 
And then when snowmaking started back up, I would tell them when I, when I got hired with the welding job, Hey, look, I've, I've got snowmaking coming up. This is, this is kind of the thing that I do every single year because I love it and I want to go back to it. And so when snowmaking would start back up, it'd start, start all over. Um, so it, it gives you the opportunity to kind of be well-versed in a lot of different areas. Um, my list of experiences on a resume is, is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's everything from customer service to retail, to housekeeping, to uh, construction. I'm a welder. I've done concrete. I've done dirt work. I've been an equipment operator. I've done forestry. Um, I've done food service. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, if you, if you're offered a job, you, you take it, you know, and um, a lot of the people that have come into the Valley in the last couple of years, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I can't find a job. I can't find a job. Well, really, there's all sorts of jobs. There's all sorts of really great employers in this county, people that have been here for a very long time, understand those struggles, and they're more than willing to work with you and um, realize that you are just there for a season, but they want to have you back next season. Um, and so if you have a set of boots, if you have any sort of a skill, even if you don't, and you're willing to be trained, you've got a job and you've got a job with good people. So that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at with it is it's, it's just what you do to be able to, to stay here. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the nature of seasonal employment, I think for people, when they come to town, is uh, I guess maybe it's easier to say I don't think people realize the nature of seasonal employment and the challenge to go from a winter job to a summer job in the shoulder season. Yes, um, I think it kind of breaks people's brains <laughs> um, just because it's not it's not the norm everywhere, um, and I feel like it. If you are here and you're able to do it and you're able to navigate it, it makes you very, um, it makes you easy to utilize as far as a lot of places. Because obviously some people that are doing dirt work or doing uh, landscaping, they don't have a very long season. They know that you are a seasonal employee. You know that you're a seasonal employee and it's, you just have to, have to kind of embrace that, you know. When um, when you meet people who are new to the valley, who came in for, I would imagine a winter job. Yes. What's what's the advice that you give to them about what happens in the fall or in the spring, rather? Um, a lot of it is just to be prepared. Like there is, there's absolutely a shoulder season, mud season, whatever you want to call it, that there aren't any jobs. And I feel like some people are, are a little less than prepared for that as far as finances go, as far as uh, whatever the situation is. Like you, you, it takes a little bit of planning um, and, and foresight to know that you're going to go, you know, a month, two months without a job. Um, and just that willingness to be flexible in what you're what you're willing to do, what you're capable of doing, um, and just talk to people. You know, we've, we've been a small town forever. Most of the people that have been around, we're very friendly. We want to talk to people. We want to share opportunities that are available 
And so if you, if you just get out there and talk to people, uh, chances are you're going to find something um, yeah. if you're willing to show up and, and do the job right, which is um, unfortunately a little hard to find <laughs> at the moment too. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you have that drive to just show up and, and do a good job, you've, you've got a job um, that you need to plan just in case you don't. <laughs> so. What do you think about, I mean, I don't know how to say it exactly, but you know, when I came to Grand County 15 years ago, full time, to me, there was a really distinct shoulder season. Yes. Now I feel like the spring and the fall are sort of melding into the seasons before and after. And that shoulder season's getting a little bit shorter. I, I feel like that is is a very true statement. Um, I think that people are kind of realizing uh, business owners and the resort as well, just the preparation that needs to go into the start of the next season um, or things like construction. The, the fact that a lot of people are extending their seasons by a ways for things like dirt work and foundations. And um, it's a, it's hard, but that's what you got to do. You know, um, I think it is a little easier now than, than it was 20 years ago, you know, because that sh- season is quite a bit shorter. Well, COVID, you know, this year, this past year, 2020, I mean, I don't really think there was a down season from a tourism perspective between the summer and the beginning of the ski season. It seemed like, it seemed like the towns were busy all the time. Yeah. I, um, unfortunately I was, I was driving down to Aurora for work a lot this summer. So, um, I didn't, I didn't actually get to see how the town was handling COVID. I I had drive down for work in the morning and then work a 12 hour shift and, maybe stay one night and then drive back up the next night. So I was, I was seeing a whole lot of highway 40 and my power. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> um, but it definitely didn't seem like the, the traffic took the downturn that it usually does in that, in that fall season. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, I mean, there, there definitely were people in town. So. Well, you bring up a good point. I, I meant to ask about this earlier. You're a paramedic. First responder, frontline worker. Tell us about that. Um, it's it's interesting and it's a lot of fun. It's pretty much the only thing I've ever wanted to do since I was a kid. So um, I've worked for Grand County EMS, which was absolutely one of the best jobs I could ever have. And I'm, I'm working on trying to get back to that. Um, I'd like to serve the community that I'm in and that I grew up in. And they really are a great company. Um, so especially with dealing with a lot of the challenges of being a third service, which is a, a government funded EMS that's independent from a hospital or a fire department. Um, they do a really good job of navigating that and, and keeping their practices um, the best to serve our, our community and our needs. Um, right now I'm working in Aurora, which is very much a different situation. Uh, you don't get to see the, people that have gotten on a downhill mountain bike for the first time and slammed themselves <laughs> into a tree. Um, but you do get to see people that had a dispute with some friends and then got shot. 
you know, it's, it's a very, very different dynamic. It's a very different, um, community that's being served and it's, it's great experience because there are more calls. They are different types of calls. Um, but I, I would like, I would prefer to be back up here working as a medic. So that's an interesting perspective. You know, I, I worked, I don't know, kind of closely with, with Grand County EMS when I was on search and rescue. And, you know, I know that the former chief is gone and their new chief is in, uh, Robert, um, his last name escapes me at the moment. In any case, I'm, um, I'm intrigued at the way that that organization has matured and changed over time. Yes. And, uh, I'm glad to hear you say that it's a good organization. I mean, I think for the, for the residents and guests of Grand County who see those Grand County EMS vehicles go by on the street to have a person of your caliber, having worked there in the past and the desire to come back to work for them again, uh, says a lot about the quality of the organization. Yes. Um, they really are a great organization to work for. And I really do feel like they try to serve the community in the best way that they can. Um, I mean, the protocols, the ways that we treat people. Um, med- All right. I had a little, uh, I had a little headphone uh, disruption there for a second. And uh, so I missed that last part of what you said. We were talking about uh, Grand County EMS and your endorsement. Sorry about that phone call. Um, so I said that the way that we are allowed to treat people, the protocols that we have, the um, the things that we are allowed to do for people is very unique to this system because of the, the people that we serve um, and because of the things that we see. Like, like I was saying before, with the differences between this system up here and the things you see, as opposed to Aurora, they've done a very, very good job of making sure that those needs are met. That's great to hear. Yeah. Let's pivot and talk about the future of Grand County. Uh, I'd like to hear from everybody that I talk to their view of what's going to happen in the next, I don't know, five or 10 years, which What's your prediction and your observation? Um, I think that the growth and development of Grand County is pretty much on a, on a steady, uh, steady course. I, I don't think that that's going to change a lot. I think that the building and the development is going to continue the same way that it has very um, consistently for the last couple of years. Um, I think that the more people want to stay here, the more they will kind of accommodate that, that seasonal mindset and, um, and kind of do what you have to do in order to stay. You know, the, the summers here are beautiful. One of the things that I tell people is, you know, if you're, if you're going to stay for a summer, you're probably going to stay here for life. Um, and I, I feel like the, a lot of the, kind of infrastructure that we have around just maintaining as a community is, is very strong and takes into account everybody's needs. Maybe, maybe not as much as I'd like to see as far as like the history, as we talked about. Um, but I I feel like they're reasonable as far as, um, where you can build, what you can build, stuff like that. 
So types of businesses that we have. Um, several of our, of our business owners are absolutely instrumental in, as far as being able to kind of adapt to the changing situations. Um, so I, I, I just see it, it growing and, and pretty much stay in, stay in Fraser the way that it is now, just with, with more people coming in and, and a little more development, which is, which is cool. You know, that's our, that's our economy. So. Well, there's no question that the secret's out about Grand County and not <laughs> limited to not limited to the Winter Park Fraser end. I mean, I think that Grand Lake is growing. You know, there's development in downtown Grand Lake. Long overdue, in my opinion, but not everybody agrees. You know, yeah. <laughs> new development downtown that brings people to downtown that that creates interest and I think is very, very cool. And then you look out, you know, towards Kremlin, the expansion of the airport, the Grand River Ranch development. I just think that the whole county is on fire. And if we're, if the leadership is smart about how it grows, you know, the tax revenue will go up and more infrastructure will be built. And, you know, that's going to be good for everybody. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of people that think there's too many people. And there's plenty of people that think there's too much traffic and there's plenty yeah. of people that complain <laughs> and want to move to the edge of the planet so that there's no cars near them. <laughs> you know, I can't say that I'm not one of them sometimes, <laughs> yeah. um, but I also, I also do realize the, the need for that yet we are growing and there's, there's no getting around it. And I just really hope that we can do it responsibly and do it in a way that still embraces kind of what, what people came here for. Um, and I feel like Grand Lake and, and Kremling and some of the other places in the county are kind of going through the same growing pains that Fraser and Winter Park went through 30 years ago, you know, and it's just kind of getting towards that end of the county now. And, um, I feel like Fraser and Winter Park have done a good job with, with those growing pains and kind of, um, embracing it. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap our show with those thoughts. I really appreciate your time. I'm super excited that you reached out to me and and offered to come join the show. It's been great to meet you and talk to you about your experience in the Valley. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Corey. This is Grand County Matters.